Hello and welcome to This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. I hope you enjoy the show. Plastics, we are drowning in them in our soil, our oceans, our food chain, and recently discovered as nanoparticles in our gut. Mm. The government banned single-use plastics in 2019 and is phasing out hard-to-recycle plastics, such as meat and vegetable packaging, later this year. But what to replace them with? Well, Earthpack is a New Zealand business turning to the humble spud for a solution. Earthpack's potato starch tray can be frozen, microwaved, composted, and is free from nasty toxins. Well, that sounds good, so why aren't we using it yet? And when will we see it at our local Foursquare? To hear more about Earthpack and the long journey to this spudtastic solution, I'm joined by spokesperson Hamish Dodd. Hamish, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Vincent. Thank you for having me on. It is my pleasure too. Um, now, we know about uh, potato starch. It's a very useful product. And I think possibly we've been eating off your trays for some time, right? So, you know, right. potato starch is not a it's not a breakthrough product. We've had, uh, what was it, Potato Pack was the name of the original that's business right. or at least the product, yeah? Yeah, that, that's right. If you look at across the process of what's actually occurred, it's it's moved from different incantations. Uh, so it's gone from uh, a notion back in 1997 where it was how do we use um, potato starch, which was then uh, – well, then we would call it a waste product. Now it's considered to be a co-product for starch, right? <laughs> uh, yep. But it was a waste product that was literally going into wastewater systems, uh, which um, cities um, or councils in the area were having to treat to remove uh, before it got um, sent out to the oceans again. Uh, so if you can take pressure off the systems, uh, particularly when something's of a commercial level, that's a win. Mm. Uh, mm. The technology, uh, I mean... Uh, I can remember my father talking about it years ago with these sort of like sparkly eyes about how wonderful it was. Uh, but but it's, it's, it's the shift from, first of all, understanding that you can separate the starch um, from the wastewater system um, at the point that it leaves the factory, do that with centrifuge, no-brainer, creates a slurry. Uh, then what you needed to do was to actually be able to dry the starch to get the mm. moisture content down to what you could do. Uh, so then they spent time developing that. Uh, and then the next step, of course, was to make it actually food grade. Um, that You've got to run it through a UV filter, which they designed, or Richard did. They built, and that now runs. So now they could take the product uh, from the source, um, move it to the factory, dry it correctly, treat it correctly with the ultraviolet light, and pack it in bags. Mm. And, and that's a very small part of the process. Yeah. From there, they had to work out how to put it into a mould to make it into a usable item. And that, that took a long time. That took years of, uh, A, designing a mould, then working out how to injection mould it, which, of course, was the quickest way to turn out the volume of trays that were actually required um, mm. for it to be scaled up into industry. And uh, yeah, yeah, there were many issues with it because uh, no one had ever done it before with an, sort of an organic compound and the way they wanted it to work. Uh, and I think one of the biggest things they eventually solved was the fact that as it went through the nozzle, it was heating up. So it was effectively starting to cook it before it got <laughs> into the mould, you see. So you, you had deformed plates. But, but this took time to find out. And then I can remember the excitement when they went from looking quite crude to looking like actual, the kind of plate that people would expect to see meat, for example, on. Mm, Just mm. at this point in case, we're talking about something that you could put 
sort of dry, cold foods on, right? Because it wasn't waterproof, so it would turn soggy. Right. So this at this point, we're talking about um, plates for picnics, for parties, yeah. uh, and so on. So food grade, but but um, not necessarily good enough then to take into supermarkets for meat trays and and so on. Hundred percent. I mean, depending on what you were putting it on, you could probably put things like mushrooms and bits and pieces on it, like you see them on the little cardboard trays. And I oh, yeah. believe they yep. do that mm-hmm. now. So, mm-hmm. so a dry uh, idea, you could do it. And we used to experiment with them, you know, see how long it would take the tomato sauce to melt through the bottom of them. That was always a treat. <laughs> uh, we'd get the kids fired up and have a go. And you know what? They actually stood up pretty well, um, all things considered. As long as you weren't a slow eater, you were fine, right? Uh, and, and they worked well for that because much like a paper plate or anything like that, when it was finished, you could throw it in the bin. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of worked. And you could throw it away uh, and feel comfortable about doing that because, mm, mm. you know, either A, you could chuck it on the uh, on the compost or the veggie uh, garden and just watch it disintegrate, also fun. Uh, or if it did end up in the landfill, uh, well, that was okay because there's air molecules inside it. So even if it's buried, yes, it takes yeah. longer, but it will break down. So, yeah. It was, it was so what's changed? What's changed now, Hamish? So we've got this. We, I can, from a consumer point of view, we're familiar yeah. with paper plates, with yep. bamboo plates, with potato starch plates. What's changed now? Is it that the because of the government initiative, now industry is starting to say, "Hey, we desperately need a replacement." And have they come to you to say, um, "Can you help us out?" No, no. The government's remarkably bad at doing that. Uh, it's uh, the but but I mean, and, and I'm not poking fun at any particular government that we've had. They're all the same. Um, they like bright, shiny ideas, but sometimes the follow through can be um, mired in bureaucratic nightmares. That's uh, that's mm. what happens. Uh, I mean, recently we heard um, our prime minister, um, currently Jacinda Ardern, uh, say on the AM show um, that there's nothing to replace them with. Um, it's it's fundamentally not true. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, uh, from my understanding, emails have been sent out. You know, as soon as you hear that, everyone gets excited in the company and goes, hey, we can help. Here it is. Uh, and we're finally there. But then, you know, you don't really hear much back ever about it. And um, there have been attempts at different funding models mm-hmm. from the government, but you've got to tick 5,000 boxes to get that. Uh, and then you kind of get near the end after months of work and then it falls over and, then, well, then you end up with a new government or something like that and you kind of start. Does the, but, you know, government aside, what about industry? Are uh, Countdown and Progs yes. and others 100%. coming to you and saying, how can you help us? We've heard about this product. They want it. And that's been the driving factor for years and I think that's the, the key, which is when Richard Williams started to pivot because he understood that what he was making was not, a party plate, he wanted to get rid of styrofoam. That was effectively it, right? And remove the plastic. Um, And to do that, he had to be able to injection mold the plate, and then he had to be able to make it compostable um, across a a, a correct given time. Not commercial composting, because, I mean, that's a a mild myth, in my opinion, uh, because at that point we would have to collect stuff and it's got to go off to a yeah. super composting plant, right? So yes. this needed to be in the bin at home uh, or in the compost bin uh, at home and, and be done with it, right? It had to be simple and quick for people because we know if you want to use it, it's got to be done quickly. Uh, and the making of it in a waterproof fashion um, that would break down in the right required time and not poison people, 
uh, which is clearly a key, Always and good. be accepted. Always yeah, good. And, and accepted by governments and legislators, um, that, that problem had to be solved. Uh, right. And the only, they tried many options. Um, and one was the, um, the time where they were actually using, I think it was, um, they called it FLAs, which are still used in a lot of products that come mm -hmm. into New Zealand. Mm -hmm. They are not allowed to be composted because they use acetone um, effectively to carry the waterproofing agent to the product. Uh, and then, of course, evaporates off, but um, it's considered to be a carcinogen. So, mm. therefore, you don't want it to be used as compost and ending up back in the food system. Mm -hmm. Yes. Go Without ahead. blinding us with the science, you know, what have what has Richard and the crew done then with um, getting this impermeable waterproof surface? What what's the product they've used? Or what's so the they have they've used PLA, right? Which um, everyone's heard about that. That goes on many many items um, and um, is non toxic. Um, the biggest problem for them was getting it to bond to potato starch. Normally it's bonded right. to paper or bamboo or something else, which appears to mm. be easier. Potato starch, not so easy. Uh, they spent a few years cracking that, and they've now got that sorted. So by applying the PLA and laminating it, not spraying it, because that means you don't need an aerosol, uh, you can create a tray that will still break down in the correct time frame, uh, which is what mm. they're after in your garden or should if you're a heathen and someone throws it out the window, and we'd love to say no one does this, but they do it, um, an overflowing rubbish bin in a park, whatever it is, a stadium that's got food in it, if it ends up on the ground, it's fine. And what is left over as a residue um, as it ends up in the environment, because we've all come off microplastics, um, is fine. It's harmless. Birds can eat it. I've even, even eaten one. It wasn't great. It was a bad plan, but you can do it. <laughs> this is your... Your dad, right? And so tell us, uh, I don't know, the legend of this thing emerging. Tell us that. <laughs> uh, uh, super cool. It was great to meet Richard, obviously, who, you know, it was his notion. And I think it was 2014 when dad came on on board. It's quite a while ago now. So we, we would hear the fabled stories uh, and we would get excited and uh, dad would bring home trays and uh, we would use them at birthday parties. And, uh, you know, it was this kind of thing that they were progressing. Uh, there were times of frustration because we didn't understand, right? You know, uh, we didn't understand the amount of work that was going in to do this. It was not a fly-by-night exercise of take A and B and bang them together and we've got this plate. Um, it, it, it took a lot of research and energy. So I think right. there, were, there were times where we would go, hey, how's, how's it going at Earthpack? You know, you got the, the trays ready and mm -hmm. it'd be like, no, not yet. No, not yet. And then one day it was, got them ready now. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was kind of fun. I, I made videos for Dad and our kids were in them. And I learned a lot. Uh, and I quite enjoyed the process, I have to admit. Right. It's, uh, it's pretty exciting stuff. Um, mm. And, uh, and I, I, I dislike um, our environment being tainted with the rubbish that we generate every day. And it wasn't mm. until he started telling me the statistics that it really freaks you out when you can actually start to picture what that is, right? And, you know, when you're, you're talking, uh, you know, uh, about 75,000, hey, what is it? Sorry, 730,000 tonnes. I had to get it written down because it blows me away. Of packaging like this goes into landfills every year. That is an enormity, particularly when you're talking about something that's so light, right? Mm. It's, it's not mm. lead. Uh, it's styrofoam and stuff. And, and that is mm. an immense amount of rubbish that a tiny country like us generates. So, yeah, I was impressed they were doing something about it, which was pretty cool. 
The solution at one level seems very logical and straightforward, but the journey to get there was was technical, as you've described. So there yeah. was technology that had to be overcome. What what have been the other obstacles to success? Finance, money. Um, it's 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 always that the the, the moulds. I remember seeing them. They're not very big. <laughs> the size of a plate. There's a few banks of them, and when you hear that just that first mold to try it out, it's $100,000. You start to grasp the magnitude, right, of, <laughs> of what they're doing. And and I'm like, oh, because I was like, oh, you could make. And they're like, hold on, we're making plates. Or you could try. No, no, hold on, we're making plates. And uh, eventually I understood uh, that making the plate alone was a challenge um, and, and trying to get that to the point where the supermarkets would accept it because, of course, the supermarkets are all very good at wanting it, right, because they can see the benefit to it. Uh, however, they're not turning around going, okay, well, we'll put a few million dollars towards this to mm. get it underway. That doesn't happen. So you've got to go out and source your own funding, and there are obviously avenues through the government that have been tried, uh, many different types of funds, um, that have been set up out there. And as we talked about earlier, there are hurdles to that. Uh, and, and, and it comes down to the point where you need something like $850,000 to buy the next round of, um, of laminating machines. And then it's underway. Mm. So the mm. drying machines being built, the centrifuges have been built. Uh, everything else has been done apart from this part in the process. And I guess there comes a point where the people who have poured money into the company, and there have been a few of them, over the years, have put in what they can. And a lot of them were mum and dad investors in the early days to get Potato Pack up and running. Uh, and, and, and now it needs support. And that is proving to be the issue. Uh, and, uh, you know, people will say, oh, surely it's easy to find money. Uh, I, I, I beg to differ. I've talked to a few other companies that are of the same sort of elk doing building products and bits and pieces. And and the only and, and they all laughed when I said, "Oh, it's hard to get the money." They're like, "Yeah, it is, you know, and, and it takes time, <laughs> and, and eventually you can crack it, and that's fine." Uh, but I, I think New Zealand has a fundamental problem, um, if I digress mildly, and uh, that's that we all put our money in our houses, right? So if I said to you, um, "Hey, why don't you take a chance and put one hundred and fifty thousand dollars into a company that could do very well?" But of course who knows in life, um, or you could use that as the uh, deposit on your next rental property, which let's face it, we all know is going to go up. What are you going to take? Uh, and mm. I'd have to say, if, I, if it was thrown in my direction, I'd probably think the same thing, you know, if I knew nothing about the game. Uh, so this and others in our great country. You started a pledge me fund, I think, recently to get this yeah. new machine in, right? This laminating machine. Uh, dare I ask, how's that gone? I think it's about $350,000, which is pretty good. Um, and uh, lots of people I know, young and old, have invested. You know, uh, Whenever I talk about it, people go, really? And a lot of young guys were like, yeah, we don't have mountains of money, but this is a way to get in there and invest something, put a couple of grand towards it and see how it goes. They will believe in mm. the product. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it, it's still not enough. It's a far cry right. from its um, 850000 to get the machine. And so you start thinking, you know, how do you do it? Lots of people say, hey, you know, I'm interested or I'm keen um, with bigger investors, but then they want to see how it sort of pans out and before maybe they jump on board. Maybe they like to come in at the end. I don't know. Um, but this is, this is the, way, the way of the world. 
when I used to be in the magazine business and we'd love those advertisers that would say, I love it, I'll be in the second issue. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very so much. True. That was very helpful. Um, yeah. <laughs> another way into this, I suppose, is if you can demonstrate there's a pipeline of sales, right? Um, yeah. And I saw on your website that you've got uh, other uses for these trays, medical um I'm not, right. not quite sure what the application is, but tell us, tell, tell me more about the kind of the the customers that uh, and the demand take them for currently. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. I mean, obviously, the laminated trays are the win because it replaces styrofoam. We all know the volume of styrofoam. We talked about that, two hundred fifty thousand yeah. tons. It's a lot of trays. I think it's something like seventy five thousand trays a week. Uh, oh, it's, it's, it's it's insanity, right? It's like like crime, when, isn't it? Well, it is. You're dead right. Uh, so if you take that as an entity, yeah, that, that's that's what the supermarkets will take. And then I guess the world's your oyster because you have the money to develop other things. What do you want? I want a um, thing to put noodles in, you know, your instant noodles, right? We can replace that because we can make that and laminate that up to hold boiling water. Wonderful. There's another fix. But at the moment, um, we're talking about the non-laminated trays, which are just the tray potato starch and what applications. There are applications such as for holding mushrooms. There have been companies using them for gelato and things like that because, you know, frozen mm-hmm. sort of product, you're well mm-hmm. through that before it disintegrates. They've even coloured some in the past for people. Um, you know, uh, I guess that's a personal thing. I like the natural sort of looking thing. But, hey, if you want bright pink, you can have bright pink. Uh, but one of the big ones they did was is, um, there was a surgeon, um, I believe he's in Whangarei um, Hospital, and he was sick and tired of the plastic trays going out the door that just hold the, um, the the implements on it. So I'm assuming that scalpels and other tools, they have mm. to be sterile, have to be disposed. Everyone remo- went away from autoclaving, you know, um, stainless steel stuff. It's expensive. It's a nightmare. Money's better being spent on the heart surgery, not the things that it's held on, if you can get away with it. They were using mm. plastic. He was horrified. Uh, and um, so what they did, um, they switched out to using the earth plate ones because they don't have blood and gore on them, right? Uh, it's just holding the implements in the beginning. Yeah. They could then go into yeah. the, um, the, the the composting facilities that were at the hospital, and um, it saved um, 12 tonne in one year at one hospital. That's amazing. Plastic. Yeah. We, we've ha- actually had a um, uh, med MedSalve as a New Zealand company that's addressing hospital waste, and it has... Uh, figured out that there are parts of this um, kind of waste stream that can be uh, recycled, basically. They actually yep. can be cleaned. And and we're not talking about things covered, as you say, with skin and blood and gore and stuff, but they're things like uh, ankle braces and yeah. compression bandages, which uh, would otherwise be completely clean, uh, but they're disposed of because they have to be, according to, you know, the manufacturer's instructions. And just a huge the amount the of... The irony, waste. right? Mm-hmm. The manufacturer's instructions say it must be disposed of. <laughs> and they'll be mm. one buy the new one, right? <laughs> I wonder what's going on. Hey, well, this sounds very exciting. Uh, what's your involvement? This is your dad's company and Richard's company. And what what are you doing to, to uh, I, help I, I am there to do my best to help Richard uh, and um, dad out. I, I think uh, I, I believe in them. Uh, my father's always supported me through my entire life. Uh, so maybe it's time to, I thought it was time to ante up and do what I could do. And so, yeah, and, and I, I, I saw them um, um, needing help in different areas. Uh, and I was 
blessed, some would say, in my family, horrifically, with the ability to talk. <laughs> uh, you know, and, uh, and I love it. And I believe in what I'm talking about. So, yeah, I'm helping in any way I can. So if they, yeah, they, they, I, I talk to podcasts, I'll make videos, I'll do whatever they need. Hmm. And what else are you working on? We hear your dulcet tones, I think, on Today FM still. And um, Sure what, do. What, what, what else are you doing? I think you're filming uh, something at the well, moment, don't you? Other, other than still trying to run an interior design business with my mother, Adrian, that we've done together for, for about the last 15 years, we worked side by side in the same office. And then one day we went, yes, now we've actually got someone to cover us when we go on holiday and stuff. So we merged. So we've got that going on. Uh, yes, uh, Today FM, I uh, do the Design and Build Show Sunday mornings with Stan Scott, um, who's a wonderful builder and friend. Uh, mm-hmm. Just we, we talk about everything, you know, design, homes, whatever we want, really, that uh, people might be interested in, new products. Uh, and uh, incidentally, going to have a chat soon to the guys from Saveboard, wonderful product, using Tetra Packs which are obviously foil-lined, thermally um, incredibly efficient. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we turn those into wallboards instead of throwing them in the ground? So they're a great company, uh, and so I get to meet people like that. Other than that, mm-hmm. I am currently producing a television show uh, called Clubhouse Rescue, which will come out later in the year if I do my job right. Uh, <laughs> it should all be shot by then, uh, where we are giving back to the communities by renovating and uh, helping out clubhouses that mean a lot to a particular community but are really struggling. So mm. that's going to yes. take me up to August. You mean sports clubs and, and the Yeah, line? sorry. Yeah, at the moment it's sports clubs. Uh, I would like to branch that out if we're lucky enough to get season two and maybe branch into some uh, some other clubs, maybe a chess club or a bridge club. or um, I mean, most of these places are very much about community. Uh, which is very exciting, and we're very lucky with our sponsors, um, such as Placemakers, who have really jumped on board and, and contributed a lot, both in materials, finance, and logistics, uh, and uh, the guys from Maintain to Profit, who are running the sites and providing a lot of the labour, along with the club members, uh, Razine and a few others, and um, uh, everyone's into this notion of actually making a difference. So I've learned that it doesn't have to be a club full of young people for it to be good. Older people need a place they can call their own and go down and hang mm. out with their friends. Uh, so some clubs are very small um, and are on the, um, the verge of collapsing, um, basically through infrastructure and the cost mm-hmm. of maintaining it. We fix that. We can breathe life into it, get more members in. Uh, some of the clubs um, that have older members would dearly like younger people to come in and, and try it out and pick up the pick up the legacy of the club. Uh, there are clubs that are providing, uh, um, you know, we, we, we've gone and built ladies changing rooms because the nature of sport has changed. Um, and a lot of young ladies love to play uh, football now. And yet the changing rooms, they just weren't enough, right, to, to separate things out. So we've fixed yeah. that issue for them. So it's, it's been a great exercise and I'm thoroughly enjoying mm. it. Yeah, that, that sounds awesome. Well, I think that... Um, Earthpack sounds like it needs just that little push to get over the line. So hopefully someone who's listening to this has uh, got a, a spare 800k falling out of their back pocket. That would be handy. Uh, would be. Do call. And um, in the meantime, we wish you all the best. What a um, what a great cause, uh, both the clubs and for Earthpack. I, I hope you do well, Hamish. Thanks for joining us on the show. My pleasure. Thanks very much for having me, Vincent. This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. 
Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. 